Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. That's why we are here today, is to joyfully adore the Lord Jesus Christ. And we welcome you as we gather to worship our Lord together. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us, and we're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family. A few announcements I'd like to call to your attention today. Uh, first of all, let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets on each row. I'd like to ask if you would to take the time to uh, fill those out and give us as much information as you feel comfortable giving to us and check the appropriate box on there so we could have a record of your attendance. We would certainly appreciate that. Also, some things that are coming up. Uh, Wednesday activities will be uh, resuming this week. We kind of took a week off this past Wednesday uh, because it was all the thir- uh, the Thanksgiving uh, activities in people's homes, you know, preparing for uh, Thanksgiving. And by the way, did you have a good Thanksgiving? Amen. You look a little heavier to me. <laughs> what about me? <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a wonderful Thanksgiving, and and uh, I hope that you did as well. And um, and we will be resuming our Wednesday activities this week with dinner at 5:45. And then our Bible study, we are studying the book of James, um, and it's been a good study, really fun study to, to do. But James is one of my favorite books, so we'll be uh, doing that at 6.30 and our children's and youth activities at 6.30 as well. Our, our women's uh, mission group will be having their annual Christmas dinner and auction tomorrow at Amy McDowell's house, and that's at 6 o'clock. Six o'clock, six o'clock, and so all the ladies of the church are invited to uh, come to Amy's house tomorrow uh, for a potluck dinner and, and an auction that raises money for missions. Uh, some other things coming up. It's busy time of year, folks. Joy lunch on, Jan- on January, on December the 10th. Um, Joy lunch, we'll, we'll be having that at 12 noon. And that's for anybody to come, bring a dish and bring a friend. And the program for December the 10th will be uh, Summer Bennett uh, bringing a program of holiday music. Now today, today's a busy day. Uh, We have, it is the first Sunday of Advent, so we are glad that this is a a wonderful season that we are embarking on. We will be lighting the Advent uh, candle in uh, just a few moments to begin our Advent season. And, uh, and then today, we will also be starting something we haven't done before. You may notice the tree over here, the Christmas tree. It's already partially decorated with some of the uh, ornaments that some of you have participated in making. Uh, these are called chrismons. And the word chrismon is a combination of the word Christ monogram. These are ancient symbols of Christ. And we are going to be having a service this afternoon at 4 o'clock, where we will continue decorating the tree. We'll finish decorating the tree with chrismons. We'll explain what the chrismons are, what the symbols mean. Uh, we'll have some songs and some readings. And it is an inspiring service. And we would like to invite you to come and make a special effort to be here for this inspiring service today at 4 o'clock. And then after that, Greg, you've got an announcement for something that's coming up right after our Christmas service. Good morning. Welcome to the first Sunday in Advent. And I would like to personally invite you on behalf of the deacon body to an open house this afternoon. At, uh, it probably will start right around 5 o'clock. It's immediately following the Christmas service. 
And at that, you'll have a chance to interact and meet um, your deacon. Uh, there'll be some new deacon assignments that you'll hear about this next uh, year. But then also, we've got two new deacons that are going to be joining uh, us in uh, January service throughout this next year. We have Sue Allen. Sue, would you raise your hand? And then we have A.C. Allen, which is directly behind which is also known as Deacon Allen or Allen Allen or Deacon Deacon Allen Allen or anything you want to call them. <laughs> but we're, we're happy to have you all aboard and look forward to serving alongside of you. This afternoon's um, open house will be full of fellowship and fun and lots of good food. So we hope you can make it. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. And that uh, it's going to be a fun day today, a busy day and a fun day. Uh, let's, uh, let's share the love of Christ today by uh, standing and greeting each other in the name of the Lord.
Our reading this morning is from the book of Romans, chapter 13, verses 11 to 14. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. What happens in December? Is that like the best month of the whole year? Christmas. That's right. Why do we celebrate Christmas? Jesus' birthday. That's right. Okay, Brother Tim said today is also the first Sunday of Advent, which that's kind of a fancy word. Um, Advent is just a special season for the church's calendar. Um, It teaches us how to get ready for Christmas. And you are going to go back with Miss Mary, but what we're going to do here in a minute is light one of these candles, okay? And each Sunday, we're going to light a different candle, and they all have different meanings. And then it's probably the Christmas Eve service, we light the center candle, okay? The one today is going to remind us, and they're all kind of, it's all about Jesus' prom- God's promises to us. Um, and this one we're going to light today is the promise of peace on earth, Okay? All right, I'm going to read you all a story today. This is one of the favorite Christmas stories at our house. Okay, it's called The Crippled Lamb. Have you all ever heard this story? Okay. Once upon a time, there lived a little lamb named Joshua. He was white with black spots, black feet, and sad eyes. Right there. Kind of off by himself. Okay, this is Joshua. He had been born with one leg that didn't work right. He always limped when he walked. That's why he's called the crippled lamb, okay? When he watched the other lambs run and play, Josh felt sad and alone, except when Abigail was around. Okay? And here's Abigail. She's a what? Big cow, right? Abigail was Josh's best friend. She would spend hours with Josh telling him stories. When Josh got sad, Abigail would say, Don't be sad, little Joshua. God has a special place for those who feel left out. Josh wanted to believe her, but some days he just felt alone. One day, the shepherds decided to take the lambs to the next valley where there was more grass. Josh hobbled over and took his place at the edge of the group. Go back, slowpoke, the other sheep called. We'll never get there if we have to wait on you. Then he heard the shepherd's voice. They are right, little Joshua. This trip is too long for you. Go and spend the night in the stable. Never had Joshua felt so left out. A tear slipped out of his eye and rolled down his nose. 
Don't be sad, little Joshua, said Abigail. God has a special place for those who feel left out. And the two friends walked to the stable together. After eating some hay, Joshua lay down and closed his eyes. Soon Josh was asleep. He dreamed of running and jumping just like the other sheep. He dreamed of being in a place where he never felt left out. Suddenly, strange noises woke him up. Abigail, he whispered, wake up. Somebody's in here. Josh and Abigail were surprised to see a baby laying on some fresh hay in the feed box. The baby was crying. He was cold. The mother picked up the baby and put him on the hay next to her. Then Josh remembered his own soft, warm wool. Timidly, he walked over and curled up close to the baby. Thank you, little lamb, the baby's mother said softly. The baby's name is Jesus. He is God's son. About that time, a man entered the stable, carrying some rags to cover the baby. Look, Joseph, this little lamb has kept the new king warm. Just then, there was another noise at the door. It was the shepherds who had left Joshua behind. We heard the angels, they began. Joshua, do you know who this baby is? He does now, the young mother answered. She looked at Joshua and smiled. God has heard your prayers, little lamb. This baby is the answer. Joshua walked back and took his place right beside Abigail. You were right, he told her. God does have a special place for me. Have you ever felt left out? Anybody ever made fun of you? We should never, ever tease other people for being different, should we? You know why? Because God made all of us different in our own way, and he made all of us special. So don't ever feel sad if somebody makes fun of you. You know what? God made you just the way you are for a reason, just like Joshua, okay? Each of you is very special, okay? Let's have a little prayer. Dear God, thank you for this special time of year where we celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus. Help us to be like Jesus and be kind to and love others. Amen.
pray with me? Our Father in heaven, Lord, we bow at this time in the service, Father, giving you thanks for the many blessings you've given us, Lord. Father, we ask you to bless these tithes and offerings and bless the givers, Father. Father, we ask you to bless these people, and we ask you to bless Brother Tim as he brings the message to us, Father. Forgive us who we fail thee. In your name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for reminding us that God would send a baby, a simple child, to be the Savior of the world. Have you ever had one of those days? You know, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Just one of those days when nothing seemed to go right. Someone once said that you know it's going to be a bad day when your horoscope starts out by saying, are you sitting down? And you know it's going to be a bad day when you turn on the news and they are showing emergency routes out of the city. And you know it's going to be a bad day when you wake up in the hospital in traction and your insurance agent tells you that your accident policy covers falling off of the roof but not hitting the ground. And we might add one more. You know it's going to be a bad day when your pastor says, wake up, and you've barely gotten settled into your seat for the sermon. But that's exactly what Paul tells us to do on this first Sunday of Advent. He writes, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So no more slumbering this morning. It's time for us to wake up. Our salvation is at hand. I enjoyed a a description that David Howarth once wrote about his former pastor, a man named Harry Rourke. He said Rourke was a a real character. Uh, For one thing, unlike most Baptist pastors, he smoked. And he let his deacons know right from the very beginning that he had no intentions of, of quitting. A little bit different for a pastor, a, a Baptist pastor. And he also loved playing a domino game called 42. I've never played that before, but he enjoyed playing this game called 42. And he liked winning so much that he sometimes cheated. But what I liked most, what I enjoyed most about Howe's description of Dr. Rort was that he had a horse named Pastoral Calls, which he kept at a friend's ranch just outside of town. So if you called the church on Wednesday afternoons, his, his secretary would politely tell you that Dr. Rourke is not in today. He's on Pastoral Calls. Everybody knew what that meant. He had several other idiosyncrasies, and one of them had to do with his preaching. You see, Dr. Rourke seemed to know that his congregation was not always paying close attention to his sermon. That's where we differ a lot. But he, he realized that some, sometimes his congregation would drift off, and we're, we're not always paying close attention to his sermon. So when he was getting to that main point, the main point of his sermon, he, was always, he would always preface it by asking, Are you listening? Are you listening? And, that, and the congregation knew that that was their cue. He would wait just long enough for them to wake up or to stop making their grocery list or to stop drawing on the bulletin or to stop passing notes to their friends and tune in to what he was saying. When Dr. Rourke asked that question, are you listening? You knew it was time to be alert, to pay attention. So I guess you could say that This was Dr. Rourke's wake-up call for his congregation. And Paul's words for us today are our wake-up call for Advent. Now, some people 
read Paul's words as an admonition to wake up in a very negative sense. Uh, some people are prone to say that the world is going to hell in a handbasket, so you need to wake up before it's too late. And certainly there, there's a time for that. And we do need to wake up. We need to wake up to issues that bring destruction to our lives and to our society. New York Times columnist A.M. Rosenthal once wrote a, a, an article about the problem of drug addiction in this country. He began by writing this. He said it's a familiar nightmare. We've we've all had it. The train is coming down the track at somebody you know, and and you scream, get out of the way, get out of the way, but he doesn't move, and the train comes on and on, and you wake up in a sweat. And then he says this. He says a drug train is coming, but the people standing on the track don't seem capable of jumping out of the way or or even hearing the warning whistle. And you know, he was right, wasn't he? The number of people with drug and alcohol addictions in our country and the, the recurring problems that they bring, things like crime and domestic violence and wasted lives, these are all as deadly as an oncoming train. And I know that some of you may already be waking up in the middle of the night sweating over someone that you love who is fighting that battle. And it's a hard battle to fight, one that takes constant vigilance. Comedian George Carlin once told about growing up with an Irish father who always fought a drinking problem. And when George grew up and he discovered that he himself was in a similar situation and had a drinking problem, He went into detox, and he dried out. And when he came out of detox, he was as proud as a peacock, and he told his father, I've beat the drink. And Carlin said he would never forget his father's response. He said, George, my boy, you're sober now, and that's wonderful, but there's still the marriage and the kids and the job to deal with. He said, the monkey may be off your back, but the circus is still in town. It's true, isn't it? Some people fight that battle every day of their lives. And there are a lot of people who who need a wake-up call because they are engaging in behaviors that can only bring about self-destruction. So it's time to wake up and find our salvation. Listen to what Paul says next. He said, The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. We need to remember that Paul was writing this letter to the Christians in Rome. And Rome, in that day, in the days of Paul, was not much different from America today. Because, you see, people are people. And unless someone is sounding the alarm from time to time, society has a tendency to decline. 
to be pulled down by those forces within our own nature, those weaknesses of the, of the flesh which all of us are prone to. And so Paul was issuing a warning to the church at Rome. And the warning was, don't hit the snooze button when it comes to those self-destruction, self-destructive uh, behaviors. And that is what we do sometimes, isn't it? Even with all of our good intentions, we're not quite ready to, to face the day with all of its demands. And so what do we do? We hit the snooze button. According to USA Today, more than a third of Americans, American adults hit the snooze button every morning an average of three times. Any confessions in here? Yeah? Okay, I see some. <laughs> you know who the snooziest group are? Any guesses? Teenagers? What was that? 25? 25 to 35, he's got it, 25 to 34, actually. 25 to 34-year-olds, 57% of them hit the snooze button every single day. You know who the peppiest risers are? Senior adults, that's right. Only 10% of Americans over 65 hit their snooze button regularly. Maybe it's because seniors have come to realize how precious time is. And certainly it is. And it's time for us to wake up and to ask ourselves, what, we, what can we do to make our society healthier and more wholesome? What can we do to make our society a place where families are healthy and strong, where everyone's dignity is affirmed, whether they are a part of a traditional family or not, where the love of Jesus Christ dwells in every heart? I know it's easy to read Paul's words here in a negative sense and to only hear the message that we need to wake up to the presence of sin in the world. But listen to this, folks. Sound like Dr. Rourke, don't I? Listen to this. Just as importantly, we need to hear Paul's summons to salvation. Remember how he starts these, these words. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over and the day is almost here. You see, Paul's emphasis wasn't on all of that neg negative stuff at all. That was kind of just to lay the foundation for the need that was fulfilled with the coming of Christ. What he's talking about here is the coming of light into a world of darkness. Like John the Baptist and, and all the prophets, he was preparing the world for the coming of Christ. And that's what Advent is all about. Advent really has, has a twofold emphasis, as Sarah said a few moments ago. First of all, it's a time in the church year that leads up to the celebration of the birth of Christ. And we all love that. One comedian said that he wrapped his Christmas presents early one year, but he didn't have any Christmas paper, so he used a wrapping paper that said, Happy Birthday on it. He said he didn't want to waste it, so he just wrote Jesus on it so that it would say, Happy Birthday, Jesus. So, yeah, Advent's that time of the year when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. But it's also a time when we wait for the fulfilling of God's act of salvation in Jesus Christ. 
The prophets called it the day of salvation or the day of the Lord. It's when the earth shall be transformed and all the kingdoms of the earth will become the kingdom of God. And folks, let me tell you something. There's nothing negative about that. It's a word that should bring us great hope and expectation. And that's exactly what I hope for each of you during this season of Advent. I hope that when you hear the bells of the Advent season that you will, <clears throat> you will be reminded of your faith and your salvation. I hope that when you see the colored lights and the lighted candles or the Christmas tree or the decorations or the music, I hope you'll remember your salvation is near. Don Collier tells about visiting his daughter <clears throat> in Seattle where he attended the Holiday Pops concert. And he said it was a little bit different. He said there was music of the holiday of the seasons, all right, including a, a Hanukkah song and various solos and dance performances accompanied by flying reindeer and Santa Claus fighting his way down a chimney and the usual cadre of floating angels and dancing sugar plum fairies. And it was, it was entertaining, but hardly inspiring, he said, until... Quite unexpectedly, familiar words drifted out over the audience, accompanied by the melodic, melodic sounds of the orchestra. Do you see what I see? Do you hear what I hear? Do you know what I know? A very simple carol presented in a simple format, and suddenly, says Dr. Collier, for me, it was Christmas. The old, old story presented in an incredibly up-to-date setting. Questions as old as the people of the Middle East and as contemporary as today's conflicts. Do you see what I see? The star. The light of God illuminating the entire skies as the Almighty becomes incarnate. Then and now. Do you hear what I hear? The song, the very heavens, singing in the gift of divine peace, then and now. Do you know what I know? God with us in human life. Life in the helplessness of a tiny little child and in the power of a mighty king, then and now. And to the people everywhere, the word. Pray for peace, people everywhere. He will bring us goodness and light. So, Dr. Collier wrote, Christmas came for me this year in a symphony hall as the trappings fell silent and still and the truth sang forth. This child sleeping in the night will bring us goodness and light. Paul tells us that the key to being prepared for God's salvation is to clothe ourselves with Christ. At the end of his passage, he says, let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I love that image. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. A Lutheran pastor, Ronald Hall, puts it like this. And some of you may be able to relate to this. I know I, I can. He says, perhaps you can recall going out to get a Christmas tree late in the holiday season. Late in the season. Maybe you were too busy or too preoccupied, but the time slipped away. And finally you made it to the tree lot, but there wasn't much left. And you ended up with a scraggly old looking old tree that wasn't very straight. Kind of like a Charlie Brown tree. You've seen it. You thought maybe you could hide the bare spots in the corner and make it do. And, and when the family saw it, everybody complained about how ugly it was. But then you decorated it. The strings of lights, the beautiful ornaments, the angels, the shiny tinsel, and all the lights were turned out and the, the tree lights were plugged in. And wow. Everyone was hushed because of the transformation that had taken place. It was beautiful. Pastor Hall says grace is like that. God's grace is just like that. It picks us up off of the discard pile, covers us with the robe of righteousness, and presents us spotless before God magnificent in the splendor of gifts that God has given to us and sparkling with the light that reflects His love. That's what it means to be clothed with Christ. As Dr. Rourke would say, are you listening? Are you listening? I am inviting you this Advent season to fall in love with Jesus all over again. To wake up from your slumber and to clothe yourself with Christ so that you can discover the joy of your salvation. Paul writes, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because your salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here, the day of God's salvation. Yes, my friends, it is almost here. Are you listening? Let the preparation continue throughout this whole season as we await the coming of the Lord and the fulfillment of God's salvation. Amen. Isaiah 2, 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judea and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. 
He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up swords against nation. Neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. O God, this year people all over the world have known hardship, poverty, sickness, loss of work, and some have known war. So many have suffered, some have died, while others have mourned. It has been a difficult time in our nation and around the world. We thank you for your promise of a time when swords shall be exchanged for shovels and when tanks will be replaced by tractors. We look forward to the promised day when nations will live together in peace and when we learn not about war, but about you and one another.
Let us go from this place in anticipation of God's grace and mercy. May we go in anticipation of Jesus' love and forgiveness. Go in anticipation of the Holy Spirit's presence in comfort and in hope. Go knowing that Christ is the light of the world and in him is our salvation. Go in the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.